From the birthplace of modern recovery, Akron, Ohio, welcome to Rock and Recovery. Recovery Talks, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories and amplifying the voices of those on the front lines in the recovery movement. Our commitment to you to always deliver straight up sober talk with the sincere promise of a safe, stigma and judgment free zone. Recovery Talks right now. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Recovery Talks, the podcast. I'm your host, Mark Lee Shannon, and I'm not intimidated by all by at all by interviewing a radio legend here, you know, so well, it's easy for you to say, you know, I know and I, heard, I could barely say it, but uh, it is such an honor for me to be doing this with you, Garrett, because I have such enormous respect for the for the work that you've done, but let me just see if I can get some verbs right of some of the things that I looked up on the on the on their on that their inner web today about you. Okay, <laughs> so currently you're a creative content director for ninety one three the summit, also for Rock and Recovery and Kajam. Did I say that right, Kajam? I think I did, right? It's cool. Kajam, like Shazam. Kajam, Shazam. Shazam. So um, <laughs> you've also spent forty six years in radio, and you began in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is awesome. 1974, I uh, programmed, started the first full-time album rock station in Erie, PA. What fun it was, at a, just at a time when so much great music was coming out, so many artists, it was a lot of fun to, to start my career there. You know, if you go back and you think about the years 72, 73, and 74 for rock music, there is, that's the classic, that's like the film era of 1939 in the great film era. It's, it's, there's so much, just 1972, 73, and 74, the amazing rock records that were released there. It's, it's, it's astounding. So you have been also uh, involved with Kajam since 2011, Jan 1, and you began with Rock and Recovery in 2012. So um, tell me about how this long, strange trip began for Rock and Recovery. Started my career in 74, um, went on to a career programming um, successful market leader rock and pop stations in small and large markets over the time I landed in my hometown in Pittsburgh um, in 97 to program my hometown big rock radio station, WDVE, worked there for three years. found myself trying to move ahead of the consolidation bulldozer that was really ruining individual programming in various whatever markets. It was a McDonaldization of radio is what was coming along. So I found myself moving to places where I could be an independent programmer. So I found myself in Canton, Ohio, programming the rock station there. When consolidation came along, I was able to grab a great job working for Sirius Satellite Radio, and I programmed two stations, two channels for Sirius, and worked at the Rock Hall. I did that until consolidation was was coming along again, and XM and Sirius uh, combined, and that meant a lot of other people got the boot like me. So I I looked at the um, local. Uh, market and there was this wonderful little gem of a triple a radio station that um was sort of a guilty pleasure for me for my days doing alternative radio so i was listening all the time well I, I i came to work as a volunteer to be something to keep me going until i got the next programming game and at that uh, that led to a meeting with um the gm uh, tommy bruno offering me a challenge uh we want you to create a kids channel but not like the others do something that's that's really going to be helpful well my wife had worked with a child psychiatrist for 
20 years. And so I, I based the, the concept for the station on what he had written about. Um, and we aimed it at kids eight to 12 years old, those tweens that are the last chance to reach them with positive messages about themselves and the world before they became teenagers and Alice and Abel. So they, um, it became Kid Jam Radio and it was clean current pop songs and classic pop songs in between secret sauce, kids talking to kids about how to handle a bully, exercise and nutrition and kindness and self-care and even things like how to handle money, how to accept a, a, a compliment. And the child psychiatrist told us that most kids never hear these messages and every kid needs to hear them more. We signed on Kid Jam Radio in 2010. Um, and um, uh, the GM, Tommy Bruno, came back and he said, we can do another radio station, create another channel for our HD and online. We went looking and thinking, and, and how could I focus this? What were the big brands that I had worked with in other markets? So they have been sports brands, like in Pittsburgh, it was the Steelers. In Green Bay, it was the Packers. So I was, when I discovered that um, Akron was the birthplace of AA and the, the, the beginning of all the anonymous groups. Um, then it became, I, I really focused on rock and recovery and using a, a similar concept with the jam, which was upbeat rock song and then positive messages for people experiencing recovery. We first uh, took the concept that we were working on to the doctors at Suma Health. We had a meeting and at that meeting was their chief psychologist. Psychiatrist Dr. Joe Varley, and as we're presenting our, our our little program, he stopped us and said, "Sold. How soon can you start? And what do you need?" Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah. Don't limit it to addiction. That there are a lot of people that need to hear good messages. And then he took us to um, to uh, the hospital to the uh, where his office was and, and where the, the care was being offered, counseling. He said, "All these people need to hear good good messages." So there's where uh, Rock and Recovery came together. We uh, began our first online uh, broadcast at the Gate Lodge at Stan Hewitt Hall and Gardens in Akron, which is where Dr. Bob and Bill W. first met back in 1935 to form what was to become the most important social movement of the 20th century. And I think that's where we first really got really kind of connected was you asked me to volunteer to be part of that on, on Founders Day. And so I think that was, you know, early, early on in my recovery movement. I think I could barely, <laughs> barely hold a guitar, barely think, barely talk. And I was, it was so kind of you to ask me to be involved. And I just remember, and I want to thank you again for that, because I just remember that feeling of, hey, maybe I can, maybe there's a place here where I can do something with music and recovery. And it was you asking me to do that, where I walked away from that experience going, something is happening here. Some, and in my heart, I felt like, you know, this is, this is kind of something that resonates with you that you should be doing. You know, I think that was 2014, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So, so tell me about the early, tell me about the early years. What was it like in, in rock and recovery? Well, the early years for rock and recovery, uh, not necessarily well received here at the radio station. There were a lot of people that felt that it was a waste of time to, uh, do radio really? for drunks or radio wow. for druggies. It was a, but the GM, um, believed that this was something as, as I had that, this was this had a real future, not only as 
um, a service to the community, but a real, real source of entertainment for people. And that was the idea. So what we put together was the concept of for rock and recovery, raising awareness, removing stigma, and offering hope. And that was language that I got directly from uh, um, alcohol, uh, drug addiction, mental health um, recovery board, or from uh, the various uh, treatment centers. When they, when they kept repeating to me what were the needs of the community, mm. but not not the recovery community, but the community around as well, that that, that there needed to be an awareness from other people about addiction and trauma and mental health issues as not failures and um, and character flaws, but diseases that needed to be treated and not judged. So the music came from my background, just playing so many songs over the years. I, I really set those in. And also I chose artists who themselves were in recovery and had a message. They uh, We respected all of the traditions of all the anonymous groups, but there were so many performers and musicians, and as, and as you know, who were talking the 12 steps in their songs, and they were sharing information that was positive for people to hear. And that's something that, that became the center of how Rock and Recovery was to start. Well, I've always admired, you know, the fact that you you had such a drive for this purpose and this mission, you know, and and you to be around some, you know, guys like me that are, you know, former drunks, you know what I mean? We're always just one drink away. But, you know, what was it like for you when you started getting started and you started hearing all these stories? I mean, did you did you learn a lot about people in it? Because, you know, being around it but not in it, sometimes, you know, you, you it takes a while to not really understand what are these people full of it or what's really going on here with these people? What were, what were some of the things that you noticed when you first started getting started hearing stories? Well, when I first started and, and met with people and began, I, I was going to open meetings. I was um, learning more and I came back to the GM and I said, look, we're not going to get away with just playing happy songs and saying nice little phrases. We're going to have to go down this rabbit hole. We're going to have to find out how people are, um, coming out of this um, addiction or what kind of treatment that they're, they're doing and finding ways that we can support them uh, with additional messaging and just supporting the organizations that are helping people that are in need of treatment or basically coming it's post-treatment that, that I learned that we needed to be aware of because the, that's where um, the folks that were providing services said, Hey, when we have them in treatment, we have them in detox, we have them in rehab, we can control their environment. But once they're out in the world, they need help. They need additional support. And that's where we came in just as a companion piece for people that were working their fellowship, working their program, and finding their way to um, an easier uh, place to be in their own lives. You know, I, we call them tools in the toolboxes, but, you know, one of the things that I ch was challenging to me, and I imagine you probably ran into it also, was the non-believers, right? The people that, you know, say, hey, those guys, you know, it's not a disease. They just, they're just trunks. They're just weak. They're just bad, weak people. And we, we still see that in the recovery community now where the people go, no, it's not a disease. You chose to do that. So I would imagine early on, you probably had some resistance from people that said, you know, what are you wasting your time with doing this for? Because, you know, what do you think you're going to do? Fix some drunks, you know? Tell me, tell me about that, you know? Well, the things that, that 
we had no illusion that we were going to cure alcoholism or uh, addiction, that this is a lifelong uh, journey for people. And, and I, I really learned that through just going and listening, hearing, hearing people doing, doing some research and um, talking to veterans who were dealing with PTSD and other addiction issues, talking to um, people who were therapists who were themselves in recovery, talking about the importance of being able to give back, to be able to, to try and help others. Uh, maintain their sobriety or, or or find their clean time, and I found that primarily those those kind of harsh judgments were based upon fear and ignorance. They didn't they really didn't want to know that that, um, that that maybe there's there's an issue here that that isn't easy to judge, and it was so much simpler for them to just file it and move on. And what what we were doing with Rock and Recovery is we were turning to the recovery community and the people people in it and offering additional support to whatever else was going on um, in their post-treatment um, experience. Right. So you guys came along um, before the big opioid movement, uh, which was, you know, just shocking. I was I started volunteering at uh, St. Thomas in the detox ward. I think it was 2016. And it, it was right about then the huge shock hit where there was so much going on with the opioid and then followed rapidly with um, heroin addiction. Because as the opioid movement moved away and people started getting hip to, hey, we got to stop given these 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 drugs to people because it's not doing well you had a group of people out there that were already addicted and so they went to the cheap heroin and that's what i saw was the big difference so i don't really find it you know it, it it's not it doesn't make any sense to me when we talk about rock and recovery to talk about oh we're talking about drunks we're talking we're talking about addiction you know what i mean and it's dr nicole labor who we're both big fans of okay we'll tell you you know it's it's the science of addiction is what's going on with our midbrain and stuff but uh, i mean what did you notice as things were changing as you began the program and as things started to evolve as you you got deeper and deeper down this road. How did it change for you? Initially, I have to tell you that the Dr. Labor was one of the resources early on that brought some clarity to the issue of addiction. We also um, talked closely with um, the directors and, and people involved with the um, uh, the county ADM board, and they made it clear to us that there was there was always going to be something that Right now, when this was starting, it was opioids, but before that, it was right. crack cocaine. Right. And, the, and I said, well, once we get a hold of this opioid thing, and, he, and I says, you know, there's always something. And, and we hope it's not going to be worse. And unfortunately, that you know, opioids dried up and people, their only option was to buy heroin. Right. And that, that became, and the death toll just became so horrendous. And fentanyl came in, and, and by, you know, by 2017, it was... It was a really gruesome story of what was happening um, to the to the really fragile among us who simply couldn't cope with the incredible strength that fentanyl had to, to just be fatal. If you follow what was going on in the nation, we were at ground zero. Northeast Ohio, Summit County especially, we were at ground zero with all the fentanyl that was coming in from China that was really, I mean, we had some incredible, and I can't cite the statistics now, but it was just some incredible amount 
a couple weekends where we had more people fall to that drug than anywhere else in the United States. And I'm not sure people understood that, you know. And meanwhile, guys like you and me, we're trying to, you know, figure out a way to get a positive message out to people. And it got to feel a little bit over, overwhelming. And I and I know that you've got success stories, and I, and, I'm, and certainly we both have success and failure stories. But but I, I think that it's the, one of the things I wanted to bring you on and highlight is just, you know, it's a consistent tool in the toolbox. You know what I mean? That's what rock and recovery is. It's a tool in the toolbox. Like you said before, we're not going to convince anybody to stop using that's sitting in their room in the dark by at night, you know what I mean? By listening to a radio program or listening to my podcast or any of that stuff. But when they do get there and the light starts to shine on in the room, it's another thing they can do to go, you know what, instead of using, maybe I'll turn on the radio. Maybe I'll listen to a podcast. Maybe I'll go on Instagram or Facebook to find a way to connect with a more positive message. And that's really what our mission is, I think, at this point. Not to to be able to rescue because we're not medical professionals. That's not what we do. And we have to acknowledge this is a medical problem first. Well, and, and we can't save your life, but we can help you save your own life. Right. And we can we can be there as an additional resource. You know, the, the, the people that are that have that moment, and, and you've seen it and I've seen it as well, where they've gone from, there's no way this can work. There's no way. There's no way I can get clean and I can get sober. To that instant, well, you know what? Maybe maybe I could do this. At hope, it's what um, Dr. Sarah Freeberg called blowing on blowing on the sparks, right? Of the embers, your own spirit to, yep. to help find your way. That when those moments happen, being able to be there to support people on their own uh, recovery journey, realizing that's the rest of their life. That's the rest of of, of their existence is coping one day at a time with the fact that they have an addiction, they have an issue that, or a mental or emotional problem that they have to try to manage. I know, I know you've seen it and I've seen it too, but that moment where we're, where we used to be able to get out in public and go to events. You know, we've done some events together and I think actually this year in, in September we did a virtual event together. But you know, when, you, when somebody comes up to you and I'm sure this has happened to you and they look at you and they stand in front of you and they know you, but you don't remember them. And then they open up with a phrase like, you might not remember me, but, and then they'd start to tell you their story. I think that's really the payoff moment for us by doing these programs where somebody says, you know, when I first met you, it was at this thing and I didn't want to listen to anything you said, <laughs> but, 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 but. So I, I, I know you've got a lot of those stories too. I can focus on one aspect and that would be the Founders Day weekend. When People will come from around the country on their mission to visit the Gate Lodge at Stan Heywood Holland Gardens, along with their, the other issues. I, I try to explain to civilians who aren't in any kind of uh, addiction recovery that the Akron, Ohio is the Gettysburg of, of recovery in that there are, you can go to where Bill Wilson made the phone call at the, at the hotel. You can go to Dr. Bob's house. You can go to the Gate Lodge. You can go to St. Thomas. That there are are moments that are, and I, I, you know, it makes my hair stand up just talking about it, where people were able to find a transition in their own lives. Right. And you know what's crazy is, is that one of the things, and you know, I, I'm, I'm not, not shy by saying I'm in a 12-step program, but during this whole COVID thing that we're going through now, we've the, the miracle of Zoom means that we've been able to get out into other areas. And, you know, this is what's really great about this moment, because I think that in some ways it's been so devastating for us to be locked down. In other ways, we found new fields to plant. 
You know, I mean, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. You know what I mean? I wouldn't be sitting here with you unless I had, you know, basically needed new fields to plant, you know? So, you know, I also know that you do a show, you do a show every night at 10 o'clock. Why don't you tell our listeners a, a little bit about, about that show? Well, there's a, there's a three hour nightly show, uh, the rocket recovery broadcast, uh, in Akron and, uh, Canton on 91.3 FM. That's the summit. And it's also broadcast on the frequency 90.7 FM in um, uh, Youngstown and through the Mahoney Valley into Western Pennsylvania. And it's three hours. Uh, it's sort of a sample of our 24-7 online radio companion. I host it with, um, uh, we have uh, recovery minutes, which are excerpts from full-length interviews that are parked on our uh, newly redesigned website, which we're very proud of and happy to have your contribution on that as well. So many great rock and recovery minutes too. Oh my gosh, there's so many of those that just like you could just, you know, there's a just a deep well of, of testimonials there. And we, we we visit a lot of subjects. So there's there's addiction, there's, there's mental health. We, we deal with issues of human trafficking and um, family disorders and PTSD with veterans and, and their uh, reintegration issues. So there's there's a lot to visit and to learn from um, and presented in a way that just listen and, and enjoy what's being presented to you. So what's next? You know, what do, as we look down the road and we look off into 2021 and, and we know that things aren't coming back. I mean, as a musician, I know already that the, the big concert stages that we used to know, the way we used to play, it's not going to be the same. And I think that people are going deeper and deeper into, you know, needing some services, especially some of the things that we talk about with, you know, addictions of any kind, mental health, physical disabilities, which we also address in Rock and Recovery and on the podcast, abuse of all natures, PTSD, emotional trauma. All these things are going on right now, and they're and you know in some areas there's going to be an even more critical need for them to happen. So, what do you see happening going over the hill for rock and recovery in 2021? The last time the, the, uh, we've had this event like COVID was the the Spanish flu of 1918, 1919, 1920, when there was no media, there there was no no education, there was no insight. There was so people white knuckled through it to get on to the next thing how fortunate we are today that we have social media and we have resources and we have uh, means of communication to stay connected even though we're physically separated. And the physical separation, I think, is going to be a while, like you say. And I think that we're never going to be back to um, any kind of sense of normalcy until we can go to a show, go to a club, uh, uh, go to a concert, and, and not have to be thinking about social distancing and those other issues. Right, or have a recovery rally. You know, like we, we you know, we all want to do is, is get everybody together, all the all the lanterns and the lighthouses together to say, hey, guess what? People do recover from this. People can and do recover. So the last question I want to ask you, and it's something I ask myself a lot is, you know, and I call it my, you know, somebody asked me this one time. So Mark Lee, what's your rocking chair moment, right? When you get done with all this, all this stuff, because I've made some transformations from, you know, being a corporate guy into, you know, going to music full time and then have those retirement plans, you know, kind of change, you know. So I'm doing this now, planting new fields. And I said, what is my rock and cheer moment? And I think that for me, if I can just go first, my, my mean is like, you know, did I help anybody? 
Did you do anything? Did you help anyone? And when you look back on this this time that you've had, you know, in rock recovery as we go forward the next years, you know, what is it you feel would be that moment where you could sit and go, you know, you know, what is it for you? Well, I, I have to tell you that I have talked to a number of people in early retirement or or later. And the one thing that they tell me is how bored they are because they've disconnected to uh, are disconnected from what they found that, that um, rewarded them. Uh, I've got a passion for the work that I do with rock and recovery. I am um, focused on it, and I and I feel that I have still have so much more to contribute. That my rock and chair moment really is being able to continue to do this and be able to share this message because our recovery community is growing every day because of, of with addiction because of Narcan of more sophisticated treatments for people dealing with, with trauma and mental health issues and because of covid with covid is is that's a trauma that we're all going to have to live with. and we're all going to have to find our ways not just to cope with it now but in, as it becomes of more and more of our past being able to transition back to some sense of normalcy so the resources that rock and recovery offers uh, I, I love our on our website our find help now button that can put you in touch with agencies because the, the old days of being able to think that we can uh, I, I can get through this I, and and try to white knuckle through stuff we all need help everybody needs some kind of help sometime and and there's where I, I think the mission continues I really enjoy and love doing what I'm doing I feel that the audience uh, continues to grow. I get great responses back from um, listeners who want to hear songs, from um, other people from other agencies that are, are seeing responses to uh, what our programming is doing for their clients. And I think the, 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 really the next thing for us is to continue to grow this regionally and nationally because this country needs recovery. Yeah, I just want to. I just want to say as we finish that, uh, you know, I, I want to thank you personally for helping me getting started, and I also want to tell you something that you may or may not know that you know as I get out there, right, and, and the podcast gets a little bit more, uh, you know, coverage and people start hearing about it. You know, I'm, I'm going on into different recovery communities. I spent some time recently with uh, Portage Path Behavioral Health and in various different agencies, and you know, there's not one place I go, not one where your name doesn't come up, you know? And I just want you to know that, you know, you do, you have done, and you are doing a great deal of work in the recovery community. And that, you know, we are so grateful for what the, what you have done, you know? And just wanted to say on a personal level, thank you for how you've helped me come along, you know? And thank you from everybody else out there because, you know, sometimes we do the work and we don't really know, you know, hey, what, is anybody noticing what we're doing, you know? But I just want you to know, you're getting noticed and what you're doing is meaningful and it really helps people, Garrett. So thank you. You're quite welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm really gratified to hear that. But I can tell you from the very start with Rock and Recovery, we knew we were going to have to find the people that we could support and show ourselves, be present, that this was not something that we could get away with, just sort of playing some songs and moving along, but that we had to learn how to um, communicate effectively with people that are in recovery. And also listen, you know, there's so much about listening that is, is important to learn how people are coping and what people are doing to, to find their own way every day. 
Yeah, we're definitely going to have to plant some new fields and keep going. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And I just want to say thanks for, for hanging with us to our listeners. Thanks for hanging with us for this edition of Recovery Talks. Stay tuned for Rock and Recovery for more episodes with more guests as they share their journey from the darkness to the light. And until then, everybody stay standing, stay sober, and steady on. Thanks, Garrett. Take care, You are buddy. welcome. Thanks. Rock and Recovery Minute. Recovery rocks. Their brain is telling them that that substance is necessary for survival. Dr. Nicole Labor is an alcohol and drug therapist who is also in recovery. She offers a clear description of addiction. The part of your brain that says, I have to live at any cost and I will violate my own values and principles in order to do that. That's the part of the brain that's involved in addiction. That's the part of the brain that's defective because it seems like addiction is so based in bad behavior and people do such bad things around their addiction. There's this inclination to believe that it's a behavioral problem or a choice problem or a willpower problem. The behavior comes down to choice, but the suffering and the cravings is the actual disease process. And that comes from a defect in the brain. Hear full interviews and learn more about addiction at rockandrecovery.com. This has been a Rock and Recovery Minute. Recovery rocks. Raising awareness, removing stigma, and offering hope. Hi, I'm Garrett Hart for Rock and Recovery. It's the nightly radio show that offers upbeat rock songs and inspirational messages for people in recovery from addiction, trauma, and mental health disruptions. It's for families and friends as well. Rock and Recovery is broadcast every night, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, at 91.3 FM in Akron, Ohio, and at 90.7 FM in Youngstown, Ohio. The show can be heard at thesummit.fm. You can also listen to Rock and Recovery on our 24-7 radio channel streaming at rockandrecovery.com. We've got a free app for your phone so you can listen anytime, anywhere. Everyone needs a little R&R. Rock and Recovery. Recovery rocks.